Bedtime Story was the third single from Madonna's sixth studio album of almost the same title, Bedtime Stories, and was released on February 13th, 1995, perhaps signalling a slightly more avant-garde approach to her music and providing a template for the remainder of her output across the 1990s. Penned by Icelandic singer Björk Wemensdottir, along with British producers Nelly Hooper and Marius de Vries, the song had been recorded during the lengthy sessions of the album, and the experience had caused Madonna to revisit the material already in the can, asking her current collaborators to become more involved with the full project. The stunning, surreal and edgy video for the song was directed by Mark Romanek, who had been responsible for the promo to Madonna's song, Rain. Inspired by female surrealist painters, and it was, at the time, one of the most expensive videos made, topped only by Romanek's next project, Scream for Michael and Janet Jackson. Work on Bedtime Stories began after Madonna's Girly Show tour, though not after jettisoning an entire album of work with erotica producer Shep Pettibone. I'll be talking in more detail about that. It was a rare move for Madonna to commission a song from another artist, and at one point Björk almost declined, largely because she felt that their musical paths were so different. I'll be taking a look at Björk's career journey at that point, along with Nelly Hooper's, and also discussing the subsequent effect that the producer's impact would have on the rest of the album. And I'll also be playing you isolated recordings from the multitrack to better understand how the song was created. But for now, sit back, listen, let's get unconscious, honey, as we go Inside the Groove. Hello and welcome back. My name is Edward Russell and before anything else, hello to all the new listeners from Brazil. The terrific Milkshake Camado Wonder podcast mentioned this series and the listeners have since doubled, so thank you for everyone's support. The Dear Jesse episode has ended up being the most popular new episode in the first week of its release, so there will definitely be a few more of those mini-episodes coming soon. And the episode after this will feature a big, big, momentous Madonna moment and song, so listen to the end to find out which it is. If you're catching up on these episodes sometime after they were first released, then right now, us Madonna fans are in a very funny place. Only a few days ago, an exciting collaboration was announced, where the rumour was confirmed that Madonna would be joining British singer Dua Lipa on a new version of the singer's Stuart Price-produced song, Levitating, in conjunction with Missy Elliott. Fantastic news, and this version has been remixed by the artist currently known as Blessed Madonna who personally I find a little underwhelming when it comes to remixes, so let's hope she proved me wrong on this occasion. Meanwhile, our Madonna, anything but blessed, she's turned a bit Karen this week with an Instagram post which has upset, well, just about everybody, including her fan base. But we're here to discuss the music, so let's remain on topic. And there's a lot to cover today, so time to crack on. Let's start by taking a look at where Madonna was in her career at the point when Bedtime Stories album was in production. Having toured the Erotica album in 1993 as The Girly Show, including concerts in Australia, she returned to the US to begin the next phase of her career at the beginning of 94, dyeing her cropped hair dark and throwing herself into the recording sessions, including a brief moment with Patrick Leonard where she recorded the song I'll Remember for the movie With Honours. 
Now, whatever fans think of Erotica, and let's face it, it was an absolute firm favourite and provided her with some of her strongest singles, it was not a commercial success to the degree that Like a Prayer was. And it's quite likely that Madonna will not have appreciated the inevitable cautions that she should tone down the overtly sexual nature of some of the content. Indeed, her appearance on the David Letterman show in March 1994 shows the star still in a very rebellious mood. The music she was working on at that point, however, was much more traditional, as she had once again hooked up with Shep Pettibone, who had produced Vogue, Rescue Me and The Lion's Share of the Erotica album. As none of this work has ever officially been released, we can't be sure of the detail other than some information which has made it into the public domain. Shep's right-hand man at the time, Tony Shimkin, is not aware of the work. However, in 1998, Spin magazine quoted Shep as saying that they had worked on a dozen songs which he calls to be in a Spinner's style. Presumably, this refers to the band The Spinners, also known as the Detroit Spinners and the Motown Spinners. Their main success was in the early 1970s, and this would have been the music that Madonna would have been exposed to as a teenager. Their song, Could It Be I'm Falling In Love, typifies the style, a sort of 70s version of the more traditional Motown sound. In fact, we know that one of the songs are recorded, which has surfaced, has that very sound, and it's called Love Won't Wait. A few years later, the song was offered to former, at the time, Take That frontman Gary Barlow, who took the song to number one in the UK. Now, thanks to the work of Madonna fan Peter Magenis, who heavily researched Madonna's lost songs well over a decade ago, we know about this abandoned album and even some further details. What we do know is that four songs were recorded to a sufficient satisfaction of both Shep and Madonna that they were registered on the US copyright registration database. And they are Love Won't Wait, Something's Coming Over Me, I Will Always Have You, and Bring It. Also on the Warner Chapel Music database are the following songs, Good Time and Tongue Tied. So six in total, and perhaps there were more. Now, if some of those titles sound familiar, well, that's because we can be sure that Something's Coming Over Me is an early version of the song which became Secret, the lead single to the album. This version has been described as quite different and more of a club anthem in the chorus. In fact, though Shep wasn't originally credited for Secret, he was retrospectively given recognition of that song and also on the song I'd Rather Be Your Lover. Now, I'm not sure what happened for the credits to be changed, but I think it's unlikely to have been a friendly phone call. At some point, however, Madonna changed direction on the album. Perhaps she was feeling that the sessions were sounding too much like erotica, and perhaps because she wanted to explore a more R&B vibe, she started working with new producers such as Babyface and Dallas Austin. There was also, it's believed, an intention to present Madonna in a more likeable way to the American public. Indeed, when the aforementioned I'd Rather Be Your Lover originally included a rap by Tupac, well, some charges were brought against him and so that particular rap was dropped. 
Now, Madonna wasn't just looking towards American artists for her album and was also interested in the British soul scene, in particular the producer Nelly Hooper, who had created a name for himself at the end of the 1980s with the debut album for Jazzy B's group, Soul to Soul. And he was the producer on standout singles such as Back to Life and Keep On Moving. Indeed, when Shep had remixed Keep It Together from Like A Prayer, he pretty much used Nelly's work on Keep On Moving as the template. Nelly had also worked with Bristol-based act Massive Attack, whose debut album Blue Lines had shaken up the British music scene, and this led to his work on the first album with Icelandic singer Björk. Although the British R&B scene differed from that in the US, which was outside of hip-hop, still largely focused on New Jack swing, it was a sound that Madonna harvested for her new album, and she invited Nelly to California to begin songwriting and production sessions. He has a very European sensibility, which I appreciate, she said. He arrived with a couple of instrumental backing track ideas, including the song which would end up opening bedtime stories, Survival. In tow with Nelly was, I guess, his right-hand man, at least programme and co-producer Marius de Vries. Now, he spoke quite extensively to Lucy O'Brien for her book, Like an Icon, so we've got some sort of feedback about what happened when they were in California. And it seems that Madonna was so struck by the work that she got the pair to remix some other songs from the album, including Forbidden Love and Sanctuary. Presumably, this was to give more cohesion to the album, which, of course, had several producers involved. Maria said she appreciated Nelly's sure-footed approach to building rhythms and his sense of space and spaciousness. She likes attention to detail and good craftsmanship, and she demands that. And if you can prove yourself to her in that respect, she responds well. Marius was also struck by the fact that it took them just two and a half weeks to construct, record and mix five tracks. That's remarkable for a major artist, he said. I was amazed at how quick the process could be and how decisive one had to be under those circumstances. You had to make strong decisions and not second guess yourself too much. It was a very focused process. Forbidden Love, for instance, was done and dusted in just two days. You have to have a special mindset when you're working that fast. And of course, during those sessions, one of the tracks they recorded was one that had been written by Björk. Björk Wemmen's daughter had been the lead singer with the alternative band Sugar Cubes, but had moved to London from Iceland in 1993 to pursue a solo career. That album, called Debut, was spearheaded by the single Human Behaviour. Now, if you don't know the album, check it out. Debut is a stunning, well, debut. And as well as singles like Venus as a Boy and Big Time Sensuality, it contains a varied yet cohesive style brought together by Nellie Hooper's vision. And combined with her strong and unusual melodies, not to mention her unusual inflection and use of the English language, it had really inspired Madonna.
The song that Björk had written had been called Let's Get Unconscious Honey, and she hadn't been too keen about whether or not she wanted to write a song for Madonna. She had felt that everything around Madonna was controlled, contrived, rehearsed, and without any kind of spontaneity, it was as if Madonna was afraid to sort of let go. But in the end, she wrote a song on that sort of basis about how Madonna should be much more free. And the song was reworked before it reached Madonna's ears. But Björk spoke in 2001 to Nylon magazine where she reflected on the experience. She said that she'd enjoyed expressing a viewpoint that was paradoxical to Madonna's controlled public image. I think at the time, yes, she said, but that's like six years ago when everything about Madonna seemed very controlled. I think she's a very intuitive person and definitely her survival instincts are incredible. They're like outrageous. At the time, the words I thought she should say were, I'm not using words anymore. Let's get unconscious, honey. Fuck logic. Just be intuitive, be more free, go with the flow. Right now, she seems pretty much to be going with the flow. When the interviewer, James Servin, asked Björk if she had been responsible for causing Madonna to mell out, she said, well, I wouldn't credit myself for that. Not at all, that's a question for you to ask her. So James sent a fax to Madonna, courtesy of her publicist Liz Rosenberg, with the question, did singing the lyrics that Björk wrote for Bedtime Story lead you in the direction of going more with the flow? And a day or two later, he got a reply from Liz who said, I wish I could get an answer from Madonna. She is deep in rehearsals for her tour and I can't get any info from her for a while. But I can tell you that Madonna certainly thinks Björk's inspiring and a brilliant artist. Madonna is a huge fan of her music. I've never thought that Madonna was a go with the flow person before or after recording bedtime stories. She goes with the flow, but it's a flow of her own creation, if you know what I mean. Unusually, Madonna didn't seek to get a credit for the songwriting, but I do think that the track really inspired the future work that she did. And in fact, she did actually steal some of the lyrics for Skyfoot's Heaven on Ray of Light. Bedtime Story was hugely influential, and Marius told Lucy O'Brien, that was a very brave choice. Although it wasn't a Björk cover version, Björk has such a particular and idiosyncratic approach to the construction of lyrics and phrasing. Every aspect of the architecture of her writing is distinctly Björkian. To try to perform one of those songs is a brave undertaking. It's difficult for the singer to be infected by the way the lyrics are so stamped with Björk's approach to language. Having said that, Madonna captured the atmosphere of it beautifully. But singing the song seemed to somehow set Madonna free, and Marius also said, Bedtime Story was an embryonic moment that went a lot further on the next few albums. Nelly's work did indeed help even out the sound of the various tracks on Bedtime Stories, although Madonna was left with sort of two polarising sounds. Take a Bow, for example, with its distinctly American sound, did very, very well in the US, and it was one of Madonna's biggest hits for a long time. However, the song pretty much flopped in the UK, where it was panned by critics for being too schmaltzy and saccharine. However, Bedtime Story did really well in Britain, but failed to have much chart success in the US. Nelly Hooper doesn't really speak to the press, so we've got no feedback on what he feels about working with Madonna. But they did work together again on the song I Want You, a cover of the song by Marvin Gaye, and it was recorded in collaboration with Massive Attack. It appeared a few months after the Bedtime Story single release on the album Something to Remember. 
Björk, meanwhile, reworked and re-released the song as the track Sweet Intuition, which appeared as a future B-side. So, how is the song constructed? Well, it's more of a trance track, it keeps going around in a circle. And it's one of the few songs that Madonna released as a single, which doesn't really have any chord changes, music being another one, and I guess to an extent die another day. The multi-track has a number of drum and percussion sounds, which sort of underpin the entire song. I'll play you some of them now. Put it all together and you get this. There's also a low bass sound that you get throughout the entire song. And also this sort of whirling arpeggio. Now there's also a number of synths, stabs and sounds and pads that run throughout the song and I feel that being like a bedtime story you'd probably fall asleep if I played you all of them so I'm going to pick out one or two. Um, in particular this one. That's actually a sample from the 1970 track Um by Bobby Hutchison. And here's another synth sound. And there's a couple of other tracks which I think are also samples from other songs, but they're not credited in any way and were probably never expected to be listened to. Um, but here's a piece of percussion which really sounds as if it's from another record. And another loop that I really like is this one here. Moving on to Madonna's vocals now, and she doesn't escape from being looped. There's this sound, which I know is going to seem familiar to you. And I'm also going to play you some dry vocals from Madonna without any effects on whatsoever. Um, this is what they sound like. Today is the last day that I'm using words. They've gone out, lost their meaning. Don't function anymore. And I also want to play you this. Leaving logic and reason to the arms of unconsciousness. You can hear the spill from Madonna's headphones. Uh, you can hear the vocal she's already recorded underneath. And Nelly does something really interesting with this. He does another track where it's a reverse echo of that, so effectively played backwards with loads of reverb on it, which when it's played the right way around, gives this really interesting effect. So 
So I'm going to end this podcast by playing you a sort of a cappella mix of Madonna's vocals with a tiny bit of the ambiance uh, from the background as something interesting to listen to. But before I go, I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you've really enjoyed exploring Madonna's sort of unique album bedtime stories. It was mildly successful. I think it's kind of grown in popularity in recent years, and I certainly have a newfound appreciation for it, having looked into how it was made and the work that Madonna did to make it feel cohesive and as if it was one single project. Who knows if one day we might get to hear some of those Shep Pettipone demos. I really hope so. Um, in the meantime, do look out for the next episode. It'll be coming two weeks from now and it will be... Uh, are you ready for this? Bit of a drum roll. Well, that was the actual drum roll from Madonna's 1984 groundbreaking, career-defining hit Like a Virgin. And of course, I'll be talking not only about that song, but her work with Nile Rodgers and for that album as well. So one not to be missed, I'm sure. And I'm really looking forward to diving into that. But I really want to leave you now with something peaceful and relaxing. And if you're listening to this late at night, this will be perfect accompaniment, a real bedtime story for you to fall asleep to. It's an almost a cappella bit of the uh, song that I've mixed together for you. Just now.